Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Surrounded sabbatical. It's the seventh inning stretch. Um, I'm Justin. With me, as always, is Armando. Uh, we're recording this on election night, and we promise we won't talk about politics, even Kurt Schilling's desire to lynch journalists. Armando, how are you? I am good, man. A little tired, uh, a little nervous tonight because of what you just mentioned. Um, hopefully, uh, there are some Kurt Schilling tears a little bit later. Uh, not for political reasons, but just because I can't stand the guy just like you can't, but it's whatever. Uh, I'm ready to talk a little bit of baseball, man. It's been far too long, really. Yeah, so uh, last Tuesday, last uh, Wednesday night was Game 7 of the World Series. Uh, Armando and I were texting back and forth in that. Um, Armando, in, in, the, in the realm of baseball games you've watched, where does this one fit? You know, I, I I sat there and and I tried to think about it, dude, and it, it it's it's up there with you know the Dave Roberts stealing the bag for Boston against the Yankees. It's up there, you know, uh, even for me, like the Dodger lore, Kurt Gibson's home run against Eck and stuff like that. I know that gets mentioned time and again, but this baseball game was was amazing. It had a little bit of everything. It had the drama you needed. It had quality baseball. It had uh, the chess matches between the managers. It had a little bit of nervous moments for both teams. I thought, you know, the World Series played out magnificently, man. Yeah, that was, first off, I mean, it was a great series. Each team had, a, each team had, um, well, at least one blowout. The Cubs had two, a bunch of close games. Uh, Andrew Miller and Aroldis Chapman going nuts until, you know, they both based their, their arms fell off in game seven, but I want to go to something that you talked about on game seven, which is the, uh, you know, both managers, uh, you know, on display, Joe Madden got took. I mean, if, if the Cubs lose that game, what's Joe Madden's reputation at the moment? It's different. That's for sure. Uh, you know, I felt like with his pitcher dealing and, and you know, trying – I don't know. I just felt like he was really quick to pull the trigger and, and, and really wanted to get Lester in there and really wanted to do a few things. And I just think it wasn't – it wasn't time. I think that, you know – I, I don't know, man. I, I feel like like he tinkered too much. I know he's a man that tinkers. I know he's a man that expands, you know, goes outside the box when it comes to baseball. And he, he usually does that type of stuff, man. But for me, I thought he was a little nervy. I thought it was uncharacteristic of him. 
Yeah, I see, I really didn't enjoy it. Because if you think about the moves he made, let's talk about the first one, which is pulling Kyle Hendrick after uh, Kyle Hendricks after what fifty-eight pitches and four innings uh, when Hendricks was cruising with a five-one lead too. Uh, that one seemed very suspect to me. Yeah, it was a reach, man. I, I mean, I, why start the guy if you don't have the faith that he's going to do it, especially when he's proven to you that he's making it happen consistently that night? He was dealing. He had it going. He's and if that's not the night that – yeah. And if that's not the night that you're going to have faith in the man that, that's a Cy Young finalist, like you said, who's dealing, then, then what is that really – what message are you sending to him? Yeah, no, I have no idea. And also at that exact same time, the double switch to take Wilson Contreras, who was catching uh, Hendricks out of the game, and having to switch in da- uh, David Ross because of the fact that he's you know he's Lester's personal caddy because Lester's you know for as great a pitcher as he is, he's he's a head case. I mean, the guy doesn't throw over to first base, which or doesn't throw to bases. Period. That's just odd, and that immediately cost them. I mean, you have that two run error up five one where David Ross effectively you know has a wild pitch that goes past him and you know, and you know, looks like he might've been slightly concussed. I mean, that's that right there. I mean, I think it dropped a lot of hearts in Chicago just because that immediately brought Cleveland back into the game. Yeah. You know, my thoughts on personal catchers has always been, uh, I've been suspect on it. I mean, Maddox used to do with, uh, with Henry Blanco. Uh, we see it. The, the Dodgers did it with AJ Ellis for a while until they shipped him out. I, I just think it, it's it's just overrated. You're 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 feeding into a prima donna type mentality with your pitcher, and it's just like, dude, David Ross is clearly the third catcher, you know, second maybe third catcher in this roster, and you're giving him playing time in the most crucial game of the World Series, even though offensively he's at times inept, and defensively, although he is good, uh, you know, Lester is giving up all kinds of you know base running danger and giving up all kinds of stuff. So what really is David Ross going to do to, to, to help you out in these situations? I really do believe that uh, it was a poor choice. I know hindsight is 2020 and, and they ended up winning the game and everything, but it was something that I, as a manager, if I was in those shoes would not even consider doing that in that moment in time, especially so early in the game, bro. Right. And you look for, and you look at it and objectively your opinion is right for a half an inning because of the fact that Ross does make that two run error, but Comes up against Andrew Miller in the top of the next inning, in the top of the sixth, and hits a solo homer. Only the first home run that Miller had given up, I think, since mid-July, to uh, to put the to put the in, to put the Cubs back ahead six three. And at that point, you could understand the move a little bit more. Uh, at this point, also Francona had you know just gone to Miller and finally had said to Andrew Miller, "This is yours until your arm falls off." Yeah, and I mean I. As good as Andrew Miller is, I do think that they were overly reliant on him. Um, I think his arm was spent to the playoffs that he pitched, although it was amazing for the most part. It, it clearly took its toll on the guy. I mean, uh, he wasn't – I didn't feel as sharp. He wasn't his self in that ball game, and I feel like uh, they just probably spread him a little bit too thin. I, I, you know, I thought – you know, Tito did a lot of good things throughout the playoffs, clearly. Cleveland getting to the World Series, Cleveland doing all the things that he did is a testament to, to, to what he's doing and, and doing positively, right? I just felt in that game it was just uh, – not that it was the wrong decision to bring in Andrew Miller. It's not because he is probably your best pitcher on the on the team or at least out of the bullpen – uh, but for me, it's just one of those things that it was eventually going to run its course and eventually it was going to have an expiration date. It just didn't look like uh, Miller really had that much left in the tank. Right. And if you also think about it and look at the situation, 
you have um, Miller, you know, going because of the fact that Kluber had pitched games one, four, and was pitching game seven, two games on three days rest. Uh, he was phenomenal in the two other games he pitched in the series, but it was a combination of the Cubs seeing him a third time. And I think, you know, obviously if a, if a team sees a pitcher a lot over a short period of time when he's on a short rest, they're eventually going to get to him. And also uh, just the fact that the Indians were so just destroyed in, in their uh, in their pen because that's what got them there. It was you get innings at a Kluber, and then everybody else it's a bullpen game. And to go to the seventh game of the World Series like that, it's it's a tough way to it's a tough way to win. It's not impossible to win, but it's a tough way to win. No, absolutely. And if they would have won, it would have been, you know, a testament to those guys and, and the grit and determination that they have. But for me, it's like you said, Kluber's situation going three times, you know, with two with three days rest in between the three starts, it just you know, like you said, you you get too you get familiar as a hitter with the pitcher, especially even in a ball game. The second, third time through a lineup is difficult for a pitcher to navigate more so than the first time. And you're talking about doing this every other day almost, man. It's just it it, it was it was gonna run its course. It was gonna be difficult for him to still dominate, to have the stuff that he had, and then to still be able to fool, you know a team like the Cubs that is so analytically driven that does their homework, that does, you know, all these things. I, I, I just felt that uh, it was a desperate situation for the Indians. And I, I, it's not something that I probably would have done. I, I probably would have gone with another starter, uh, had Kluber come in or, 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 you know, had him on a very short leaf, give you two, three innings. And that's about it. But uh, I don't know, man, it was, it was tough. It was tough to watch because they, those guys really battled all season long and battled all playoffs and were incredibly impressive. And my hat's off to the Indians. Cause they, they, you know, outdid the expectations that I, even though you and me thought very highly of the Indians think due to their pitching staff, we did think that they had a chance to do this, but uh, the fact that it became reality is really a credit to them, and and I just I just feel like they didn't have enough resources. They they just spent too much getting there, and, and they didn't have anything left in the tank, and that was obvious. No, I mean the the other important thing is how well uh, you know how well Cody Allen pitched throughout that entire series was was something that goes worthwhile. But then we go also to the drama that occurs in the eighth inning with the other burnt out reliever, Aroldis Chapman, who. Quickly gets hit, and then the big blow, the Rajay Davis two-run homer with two outs in the bottom in the bottom of the eighth to bring Cleveland back to a six-six tie. At that point in time, um, what was your immediate reaction to that? I mean, like on a scale of like one, to, on a scale of how enthusiastic you could be about a team that you don't root for, were you about that point at that point in time? Oh, I was losing my ass, bro. I was like, oh my god, like it was something that. Uh, as a fan of sport, uh, especially as a neutral, that those are the moments that you really do enjoy because uh, it just brought that brought the stadium back to life. It gave that game a whole new buzz. It gave that game just it was I don't know. I really thought the Indians were going to do it at that point because I mean, Araldis Chapman doesn't give up home runs like that. And but but in all fairness, you know, I, I was. I was on Twitter at the time and I saw Justin Verlander before the at bat say, you know, Rajay Davis, he likes fastballs and he likes lefties. I like this matchup. And sure enough, Rajay Davis goes out there and does the damn thing. And that was impressive. But I, I don't know, man. I, 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 I can't tell you how I can't express to you how excited I was. It was almost like if the Dodgers had done something special because it was that special, that unlikely, that just, uh, you know, back against the wall. This is your last chance to kind of do something. And, and they, they, they made it happen. Now, at that particular point in time, 
if you were a Chicago Cubs fan, would you have doubted the existence of God? I think you would have to. I think you have to, too. I mean, that must have been the most excruciating and agonizing experience possible. 108 years, you're there, you have four outs left to get, and it's yanked away from you like that. You know, uh, but, but the baseball gods made it right, and the Cubbies got their world title, man. But yeah, I'm sure there was a lot of nervous people, a lot of unhappy people, a lot of smashed TVs possibly in the Chicago area, that's for sure. Well, that's also because this game was great, because it basically had three distinct momentum changes. You have Chicago up until Madden starts over, starts tinkering too much with, uh, with Hendrick and, and Lester, and probably gets Lester, you know, with, you know, has Lester leaving too many outs on the table for Chapman. And then you have the, so all the momentum goes from Chicago to Cleveland in the fifth to about the eighth inning. And then you have the rain delay, and after the rain delay, Chicago has all the momentum. Yeah, no, it was. It, I think that yeah, that's a good point. I think the immediately had everything going in their favor. It just kind of uh, stifled that. Uh, but but yeah, man, that game was something else. It was something that's going to live in baseball lore for quite some time. Uh, you know, and and the fact that it was those two teams going at it who hadn't won in such a long time. Now that the Cubs have actually done it, now the Indians are the you know, longest running franchise without winning a World Series. So it really does uh, make it that much more interesting and compelling of a, of, of a series. Yeah. So now as a neutral, um, who, you know, what, ex- how do you feel for Chicago Cubs fans about this? What, what are your thoughts on, you know, the, the longest running streak in American sports, the, 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 the curse of the goat. What do you think about that going? Uh, it's it's kind of like uh, bittersweet because it's something that is uh, a part of Chicago Cubs. You know what I mean? It's part of their who they are. It's the lovable losers. It's been who they are for quite some time. Even when they've had some good teams and pushed in the playoffs, and obviously they're the best team in baseball now. They, they they're champs and they had the best record. Um, you know, I, I just think. I just I just hope that uh, for Cubs fans and stuff like that, I think we've discussed this before, but I just hope that it doesn't change their mentality. It doesn't make them greedy. And, and, you know, I think that's natural in a fan base to get one, want a million more and expect it to happen, you know. And, and we've seen it with the Red Sox and how Red Sox Nation came about, especially after the World Series when they, when they you know, broke the curse of the Bambino and then that blew up and then they, they became pretty arrogant as a fan base. And, and you know, no offense, Red Sox fans, but it is what it is. You guys did change overnight. And and, it, and I think I'm afraid that that's going to happen in Chicago. And there's been so many generations going on of, of, of you know, heartbreak and, 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 and sticking by your team in, in, in the hard times, you know. And, and, and now, I don't know, maybe they'll get a little bit, you know, greedy. Maybe they'll have expectations differently. The younger Cubs generations don't have the same, you know, feelings for the team it's a little bit different i don't know man i think it's going to change the dynamic of the chicago cubs as us as neutrals know it yeah no i mean that's the one thing you really hope for is it doesn't go to their heads and cubs fans don't have the the red soxification of them it sucks they get shots at the red sox board too because the curse of the bambino was you know such an also epic story and it was such a you know it was a great also the way in which the red sox won that overcoming you know their longtime rival the yankees uh you know i, I just hope it doesn't catch their heads either because you know, that's a fan, that's a team that, you know, I think my team and your team actually will probably have rivalries with over the course of the next few years. And, you you know, I think you want to see, uh, you obviously want to see the Dodgers get a win. I obviously want to see the Mets get a win. We've played them each in the last two NLCSs. It's gone differently for each of us. But I think both of us probably want another shot at them. 
No, yeah, they're a team that's fun to watch. They're a team that, as as a fan uh, of, of of the sport, you know, you want to go through, you want to prove that you're the best team. You want to go through the toughest situations. The Cub are that. The Cub right now are the pinnacle of baseball. They are, you know, what other teams are trying to be. What what Theo Epstein has done there is phenomenal. You know what I mean? Theo Epstein, by the way, has to be the GOAT. I mean, I, I don't know how you feel about that, but he has to be. I, I mean, I, I was actually thinking about this after the uh, seventh game. And, you know, ha- had this conversation on Twitter with a few people. Epstein, I think, just because of the ending of the two curses, you know, really gets a lot of credit. Built two World Series title teams. Took on this Cubs. Built two title teams in Boston. Took on this Cubs team in 2011. The Cubs, to be perfectly honest, I'm much more impressed with this Cubs win than I am the uh, the Red Sox wins. Because he, with the Red Sox, he took on a team that had been assembled really well. You know, had had a had acquired, you know, had Pedro Martinez, had Manny Ramirez walking into him. He made the brilliant moves of signing uh, David Ortiz and the pitcher who shall not be named, uh, you know, and went out and, you know, put the finishing touches around that team. The 2017 team was more of his build, but still some of the legacy. This 2011 Cubs team, I mean, 2015 Cubs, 16 Cubs is all him. He built them all from the 2011, 2011 when he started that rebuild. He made some trades that are ridiculous, like, you know, the, the trade to get Anthony Rizzo from San Diego is just unreal. Drafting Chris Bryant, I mean, he took Chris Bryant second in a draft overall. So, obviously, you know, with a two-pick in a draft, you expect to get someone down the line as you be an impact player. But little do you know that he's probably the second-best position player in baseball at the moment. You know, it's either him or Manny Machado behind Mike Trout at that for, for that particular honor. But there's not much more you can say about him because he broke two of the biggest curses in history. The guys I was thinking about alongside him were, you know, Brian Cashman, because you have to give Cashman credit. Yeah, his legacy, his his what he's done in New York, deal, and then doing it under Steinbrenner, which couldn't have been easy. Uh, yeah, absolutely, I agree with that. Yeah. And I mean, I'm just trying to think of who else at that exact spot that you can really give a ton of credit to. I mean, I guess you can give some credit to uh, Walt Jockety and those great St. Louis teams that were built over uh, the course of the last 15 years. I know he handed that off to John Basiliak, but they haven't had they haven't had two losing seasons in a row in a long time as well. So that's and they've won you know, they've won a few titles. So that's there's another guy you have to give credit to, but once again, that's a team that just you know seems to walk ass backwards into great prospects. No, absolutely. I think for me, what makes Theo uh, or or what what makes me feel like Theo is probably the goat, or or if not that, then top two is just the. I, I just feel like you could plug Theo Epstein in any team, and in five years you'll be in the LCS at least. Like I feel like his mind is that brilliant. He he has that kind of sway. Uh, he, he's a great negotiator. He does what he has to do, and he's really good at his job. And he's really. I, in the grand scheme of it all, he's a young man, you know, doing this as a general manager. And and uh, I just feel like if you put him in San Diego, you'd have a winner within a few years. If you put him in, let's see, Miami, well, maybe not Miami because Laurie is, this is not going there. Laurie but if you, yeah, or even if you go to Minnesota, they're the small, you know, you know, a market or whatever, but they've built some teams there and they draft, if they draft properly, they can do it. And I feel like, he can go anywhere, bro, and really put that team, make his mark, and put them over the top. And I just think that uh, that's just uh, what why I feel that he probably is the greatest, at, at least in our lifetime. Yeah, no, I I, I agree with you. Um, now, you mentioned the Minnesota Twins, so we might as well now segue away from the World Series. Congratulations, Cubs. 
Um, Saturday Night Live stole my you know, my idea of seeing go go Cubs go, but Bill Murray. Everybody wants to hear that from Bill Murray more than me, anyway. Absolutely. Um, so we're, we'll stick with that. <laughs> but uh, so going to the Minnesota Twins, they finally hired a GM. Oh wow! Well, let's break the news. Tell the people. Yeah, Kevin Fulvey, new GM of the Minnesota Twins. Do I know anything a- about him? No, I don't know a single thing about him. Me neither, but what a man. The, the, just just the balls he has to take that job because you know it's going to be tough. I mean, he has his work cut out for him. It's, it, it, there, there's a rebuild that needs to be done there. Yeah, that's an understatement. I think the Twins, I, I think as, as high as I was on them, maybe I'm just bitter about it, but they, they really showed that they have uh, astronomical lengths to go to get back to contending. Yeah, um, and it should be interesting to see what happens with Paul Molitor, but... We're not going to spend much more time there. We just had to break that little bit of news. And now for the the, uh, the, the last thing that we want to discuss this uh, this time, the, the Major League Baseball Awards finalists were announced, and there were a few things that uh, we both took some issue with. Mondo, I'll let you go first with the one that, that you really didn't like. Can I ask you and anybody, if you're listening to this, hit me up on Twitter and give me your thoughts on this. How is it? How is it? that Zach Britton isn't even his finalist for the American League Cy Young. It doesn't make any sense. The guy had arguably, uh, you know, the best season a reliever can possibly have. Um, I, I don't get it. I, I don't get it. He has to be in that conversation, bro. You have to give him a chance. What what chance does any reliever have in the future to be in this discussion, man, if Zach Britton isn't in this discussion? You know what I mean? Like, And we've seen relievers win the award. Eric Gagne, yeah, Asterix, whatever. But we've seen them win the award. Uh, and just to dismiss his season, the way he pitched and performed and the importance that he had on the Orioles and their run – I don't know, man. I, I feel like it's a slap in the face to him. It's a slap in the face to me, almost. Like, dude, that that who, who how how can you can you answer that for me, Justin? How, bro? No, because I've been on Britain for AL Cy Young, you know, all you know since the second half, basically since the end of the season. Uh, I guess the only thing you can explain on this is that you know what uh, the baseball writers value innings at, at an absolute premium. Yeah, it must be. I mean, so so. I mean, who 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 would you give the award to out of the three that are mentioned? Kluber, Porcello's twenty two wins don't impress me as much as what Kluber did down the stretch. Uh, I, I value strikeouts a lot, and the fact that Kluber was so far strikeout ahead of Porcello um, really makes me have gives him the want to give him the award. Um, that said, Verlander is uh, you know. Get him getting there, and him show—he actually showed us this season he wasn't dead. That's really what it is. Justin Verlander showed us this season he wasn't dead, and that's the most impressive aspect of what he did. Yeah, and let me just tell you, bro. There is a, a ESPN.com has a Cy Young predictor tab, so they it, probably it have gives, Verlander getting it. No, Verlander is fifth on the list, bro. It goes Porcello, Kluber, Britton, and Hap. Okay, and Verlander is fifty points under Porcello, and. 15 to 20 points under Zach Britton, but Zach Britton isn't even in the conversation. And that, to me, 47 saves, bro. I know he pitched 67 innings, but he had a .5 ERA. I mean, come on, bro. 67 innings, 74 strikeouts, bro. Four earned runs all season long, my friend. Four. That's just ridiculous. I, 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 I'm not, I'm not having it. I'm not having the innings conversation. Verlander's 16 wins and three RA doesn't impress me. Uh, but it's like you said, it's just his name and the fact that he's recognizable and not dead. Yeah, that's basically that's basically it. 
And I think it's just you know it's just the valuing of innings is really is really what it is. And that's an, and that's a supreme like you know that's where I think uh, maybe the baseball writers are getting more to some aspects of analytics where they're care where they're talking about and caring more about innings pitched than they do uh, you know sometimes the the dominant quality of the inning, uh, which Zip Britain obviously had. But right. Go ahead, I think go ahead. the biggest argument you can make against Zach Britton winning the Cy Young is the fact that his own manager didn't use him in an elimination game. Well, that's a fireable offense, really, for for it for, for Showalter. Yeah. But but for me, it's also what 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 with the emphasis in relief pitching that we've seen, bro. Especially over the last few seasons, we saw it with the Indians this postseason. We've seen it with teams. How can you discredit uh, them for the, the most prestigious award in in? Pitching in baseball, you can't when the magnitude of the games and the situations that these guys come into, usually in, in tough situations, and still, I don't know, bro, to turn your nose up at that type of season. If I'm him, I'm just laughing my ass off and not taking any of this serious because it's a joke. It's a joke to me, bro. No, I happen to agree with you. And the thing that's a joke for me as we get closer to wrapping up is the NL Cy Young, the finalists are Kyle Hendricks, John Lester, and Max Scherzer. Uh, to me, the biggest joke is actually the exclusion of Noah Syndergaard from the finals in this award. He, he was in the top three of every major pitching category, finished first in war amongst any player in the National League. If you go to by the baseball reference stats, third if you go by fan graphs. Like, the guy had a ridiculous season, and the only reason he didn't have more wins is because the Mets don't score runs. Right. No, no, exactly. That's exactly true. You know, I mean, we talk about this all the time. You know how much I love Thor and his game, and how much you know I, I appreciate what he does on the mound, and and I just think and it's with, just laughable. And with the bat, yeah, yeah, and his Twitter game is on point. Yeah. But but I mean, the guy, I don't know. It's a laughable. The Cy Young Award this season has been probably a, a farce, the biggest farce that it's been in probably since I can remember, bro, because some of these guys getting getting mentioned, I don't know, it's not that they don't deserve it, but uh, Verlander, to me, is not worthy of this conversation. You know, I, I don't know. Lester, to me, is not necessarily worthy of this conversation. I mean, 244 ERA, you had the best team in baseball? Sure, okay, I could give it to you, Lester, fine. We could talk about it. But, but I mean, I don't know, bro. I don't know. I don't so- know. Let's go to the rest of the awards, though, just, you know, as they've been announced. And in the AL, your MVP finalists are Jose Altuve, uh, Mookie Betts, and Mike Trout. Uh, of those three, I would go with Mike Trout. Um, I'm assuming you're going to agree with me, but at least let you voice your answer. I will go with Mike Trout uh, because Mike Trout is the best position player in baseball. It doesn't matter. His importance to the Angels is uh, he, it's, it, you, can't, you can't measure it because uh, although they're not the greatest team – you know, everything that they, 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 they do is based on Mike Trout. And, and I mean, will he be there forever? Probably not. Yeah. But I think that it's very important that uh, you, we recognize how, 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 you know, incredible a talent he is and how incredible of a baseball player. Oh, shoot. How incredible of a baseball player he has been. Um, for me, Mike Trout stands above and beyond most uh, AL, AL candidates and AL players because he's just a cut above all players in baseball to be quite honest man that guy it, it doesn't it doesn't change anything that guy is definitely uh year in and year out most consistent most important player to any team in this league both national and American league right and I think the the biggest thing that you can call out Mike Trout is this season he has a shot of finishing in the top two of the AL MVP at the fifth straight season he's 25 years old there you go Right, so he hasn't, even, he hasn't actually even hit his prime yet. That's the amazing part. 
It's unprecedented, man. It is he's, unprecedented. He's a generational talent. Yeah, yeah. Too bad the Angels are going to lose him eventually because that team is just a, a garbage dumpster fire. Yeah, and they could trade him for a lot. A lot. But we'll see. Artie Moreno's stubborn, and uh, Mike Sosha doesn't have any need to do it because, well, I mean, he's set for life there, so it doesn't matter. But, right. yeah. NL MVP. Chris Bryant, Daniel Murphy, Corey Seager. Okay, I'm I'm, I'm not going to say Corey Seager should win, but I will say that the fact that he's in this conversation, at least they got this right, what Corey Seager meant to this Dodger team uh, when it's, Turner wasn't hitting early, when Gonzalez didn't have the season he should have had, Corey Seager was consistent from game one all the way through the LCS. Corey Seager was by far the best player on our team, uh, so I'm glad that he's in this conversation, but it's hard to overlook Chris Bryant. Uh, as the MVP, you know, probably, like you said, the best position player on the best uh, team in baseball. So it makes perfect sense. And his numbers were were pretty incredible. I was surprised that at his average, to be quite honest, I didn't expect him to hit for such a high average throughout the whole year. I expected him to sputter eventually. But no, he was solid. Um, and I think Murph deserves to be in this conversation. Murph had an incredible season. Uh, I I haven't seen anything from a, a hitter uh, like we saw from Murph in a long time, bro. But I just think uh, I, I just think you have to give it to Chris Bryant. Yeah, it's Bryant. Yeah. Uh, the the thing I'm shocked about was the fact that you know Rizzo and Bryant both playing for the Cubs didn't actually take votes away from Bryant. Uh, I just think Bryant's. Uh, you know the sexy pick right now, and he, he. I mean, he deserves it absolutely. I think Rizzo, his, he's he's a little more soft spoken. I think he's a little more uh, a reserved of a guy. He's a leader on that team, and I think the fact that he's not as young uh, deters people from 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 you know uh, splitting those votes. I think it's pretty obvious who the who runs the show uh, in that lineup. Who is the most important piece and bat in that lineup, and that's Chris Bryant, without a doubt. Yeah. So the NL Cy Young, the, the three finalists, because we, you know, I, I bitched for a second about it, but we actually didn't talk about who we think should win. It's uh, Kyle Hendricks, John Lester, and Max Scherzer. Uh, I don't even think they got the three best pitchers in the NL this year, personally, in that award, because I would have rather have actually seen Kershaw and Syndergaard in, over uh, probably Scherzer and Hendricks. But because uh, Scherzer, I mean, gave so many home runs. He has, like, he, we've been through this. Scherzer has FU mode, and he has his regular mode. And his FU mode is the best of anybody's in the game, but it's it, it comes and goes. Um, of those three in the award, I give it to Lester, even though he wouldn't throw to bases. Yeah, uh, for me, um, if I had to pick a guy, uh, I mean, I, I would I would have probably gone with Hendrick. I liked his game more. I liked that he was uh, probably the fact that he came out of nowhere. Uh, I mean, John Lester, for as good as he was, didn't have one shutout all season. Uh, you know, Kendrick's ERA was 2.13, bro, which is unheard of, especially, uh, you know, from a guy that nobody really knew much about going into this season and and, 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 and stuff like that. Ten less innings than Lester is nothing to me. You know, I think Lester just had more strikeouts, and that's probably the most impressive thing. But I think for me, it would have been Kyle Hendricks. I mean, Max Scherzer, like we said, his FU mode is unstoppable and the best in baseball, absolutely. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 you know, he he did sputter and have some tough times this season. But I would have gone with Hendricks myself personally. Yeah. So I I fully agree with you. I just think Hendricks, uh, his peripherals were. They're the worst of the three, but okay. I get it. I get it. I mean, it's not only peripherals that you have to take into account. So you're more you're more analytically, you know, 
versed in, in than I am. So I absolutely I, well, I, I'll take it. It's also it, it's it's also the fact that I don't think that every single voter is analytically you know geared. So I think yeah. So now you know we're gonna hurry through the end of this because we're we're almost out of time for this week. But for the AL rookie of the year, Michael Fulmer from the Tigers, Tyler Naquin from the Indians, and Gary Sanchez. I fear that Gary Sanchez is going to get it, bro. I think he should. You think he should? I, I don't know. I don't think he played enough baseball uh, to just not to say he doesn't deserve the award, but I don't think uh, he played enough baseball to be considered for the award. I guess is what how I would feel. But what I mean, his impact on the Yankees absolutely is you know you can't argue with it. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what he can do in a full season. Yeah, I mean, uh, look, we'll put it this way. If he doesn't win it, it's the only two you can make an argument for are Hammer and Fulmer. Naquin, it's just nice that he was nominated. It was nominated, but Fulmer, you know, full season, tons of strikeouts, uh, good record, low ERA. Sanchez will win. Yeah, but Fulmer, he's, he's, if Fulmer wins it, get, you know, nobody should feel aggrieved. No, I agree with that, but I think Sanchez being the sexy pick and being an offensive player and a power, a slugger, he's going to win. So the, uh, the National League Rookie of the Year, um, your nominees are Kent Ameda, Corey Seager, and Trey Turner. I think we both agree that Seager is going to win it. We're probably not going to spend a time covering that because, you know, you just spoke There's about no it. need. There's but, no need. But uh, yeah. I will say that Trey Turner is an impressive young player. Yeah. I mean, for doing what he did, playing out of position and doing it well, uh, Trey Turner has a very bright future for him and ahead of him. And, the you know, the Nationals have themselves quite a ball player there. Yeah, and, it's, and he's got game-changing speed. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what makes that's what puts Mike Trout a cut above anybody in the American League is the fact that he has all the tools and his speed is is incredible for a man of that stature and size. So um, the AL Manager of the Year nominees were Jeff Bannister, Terry Francona and Buck Showalter. Um, in this, Buck Showalter. <laughs> in this one, I, I, like Buck was so good in the regular season. But what happened in that wild card game? Like the benefit of hindsight. And I know that writers are only voting off of the regular season. But I, I have a hard time now thinking about Buck Showalter the same way. I, I don't have to think about it that way. No, exactly. I'm going with Tito. Yeah. I think Tito deserves it because yeah. what he did with the Indians was great. I know that he you know went to his horses one too many times at the end in Game 7, but I think Tito punched well above his weight with that team and got the most out of some of these players. Some of these players had career years, and, and uh, it's a lot to do with him. I mean, it's it's no coincidence that he was incredibly successful with the Red Sox and, and did did what he did there and to go and and, and to do it in, in Cleveland. It's not a coincidence. He's a great manager, and he's a great – he gets the most juice out of his lemons. That's what I would say about Tito Francona. Yeah, and you know what? Also, if you punch above your weight uh, with a team and you get them to Game 7 of the World Series and lose, you haven't failed. No, absolutely not. No, he no. he has nothing to be ashamed of. I mean, he lost two of his best three starters in the regular season and got them through that far. I, I'm, I'm very impressed by him. And then in the National League, you're, you've got Dusty Baker, Joe Madden, and Dave Roberts. Um, Madden won last year, so he's probably not going to win it again because of voter fatigue. Um, I think of the three, regardless, just because of the amount of man games that he played down, um, I, I would I would give it to Dave Roberts. A, a while ago, I would have answered Dusty Baker, but the fact that that team just shrunk so big in in big spots in the playoffs, you know, just makes me think that I don't really want to – that that he's not going to – you know, he, he doesn't deserve that award. What I mean no, I, I mean, I'm, I, I, you could say I'm biased, and we've had this conversation before many times on the air, is uh, Dave Roberts, what he did for the Dodgers this year is just, you know, you can't – 
you can't argue against it. I mean, the team was definitely in a bad spot all season. We used the most pitchers out of anybody, uh, relievers through the most innings out of anybody. We did what we did, scraped by, and we got down to the LCS and lost to the best team in baseball, and there's no shame in that either. Uh, you know, again, went to the well one too many times with our with our studs, and it's just one of those things. I think the Dodgers need a couple more pitchers because they can't seem to stay healthy. And if we could do that, they'll be great. But yeah, Dave Roberts for me, hands down. Like we said, we could we could rant and rave about um, you know about uh, Madden all we want because he's a great mind and he's brilliant. And I think what he does is is incredible. You know, the way that he actually thinks outside the box and changes the game of baseball and the way people think about it. Uh, I, I like that, um, but. In this circumstance, due to what what's going on uh, and the teams that they each manage, I think Dave Roberts, hands down, deserves this award. Yeah. So I think that brings us to the end of uh, this week's show. Um, we'll be back at you again next week. Uh, you know, trying to keep the uh, these shows in the off season a half an hour. Uh, but you know, everybody, everybody, be well, and uh, I'm with her. Hey, man. Hopefully, uh, you know, the apocalypse isn't tomorrow. We'll be okay. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.